Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 177. I'm joined on this episode by the head of sports science at Tramia Rovers, Andy Hodgham. Andy came on to discuss his career so far. We also went into the difference between knowledge and application in roles like his. We talked about what to consider when joining a new club or joining a new manager. We spoke about why the manager has stuck with him across numerous clubs. We also spoke about getting a club to align with your approach. And then Andy also gave his top three tips to practitioners as well. Now this episode, there's a hell of a lot of information in it and we're going for like a Joe Rogan length episode on this one. So you might have to split it up a little bit, but there's real value in it. Some great insights from Andy as well, so I hope you enjoy it. As this podcast goes out, we have got our networking event at Oxford United. So on Wednesday, the 2nd of March, we're at Oxford United with Chris Neville and Harry Routledge presenting for us. If you're not able to make that event, make sure you join our online community because the presentations will be uploaded to the community afterwards. But we have got an event coming in the next few weeks. Thursday, 17th of March, we are down at Bristol City's training ground with Steve Taylor from the Academy. We've got Del Bonsu, um, S&C coach from Bristol, as well as Rich Clark presenting for us as well. So there's still tickets available for that one. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com and just click the shop tab to get your tickets. Before we get into the episode, just a very quick shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Black Box. Black Box are the world's best training equipment, accessory and apparel brand. Black Box believes that training isn't just a checkbox on your to-do list. Training is a lifestyle, continually seeking your highest performance in the gym, on the pitch, at home and in everyday life. To perform at your best, you need the best and Black Box has you covered. So go and check them out on social media at Black Box Fitness, BLK Box Fitness. And then also a big shout out to Rezzle. Rezzle is the world's leading cognitive training platform for sport. By using VR technology, Rezzle and Player22 can create game style scenarios and recreate pressure to help you prepare for the real thing. So go and check Rezzle out, R-E-Z-Z-I-L and then underscore over on social media and a big thank you to our sponsors. Let's get into it now. So into episode 177 with the head of sports science at Tramia Rovers, Andy Hodgen. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 177. I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by head of sports science at Tramia Rovers, Andy. How are we doing, Andy? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. No problem, mate. I, I really appreciate giving up the time and coming on. And uh, it's following in the line of a few ex-guests that we've had on the podcast of teams that are absolutely flying. And you guys are up there <laughs> doing the exact same thing. So, uh, yeah, it's looking a good season so far. Yeah, well, the ones you've had on have actually stayed up there. So I'm hoping I don't be that one who breaks the, who breaks tradition and we just fall away now. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need to save when we put this one out, don't we? We'll save it for the end of the season when the celebrations are over. I'm- Five games to go and then let's get the content out there. That's it, that's it. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, it's great to see, obviously being in the Northwest, it's great to see a local team being um, right up there in the league. And I know there's some hard work going on, or been going on behind the scenes and currently as well. So it'd be good to tap into that a little bit too. But let's start on you, mate. Just take us back, take us on a little journey. Where have you been yeah, that's, so, that's led so, you up to so. this role? 
So I've um obviously I went in at Fleetwood very young, uh, show my age here a little bit. Uh, ten years ago, eleven seasons ago, when Fleetwood were non-league, um, they'd just been promoted from Conference North. Mickey Mellon had gone in, um, took them up via the playoffs. They were looking to sort of bring that sort of sports science element. So they had a fitness coach already in place, a guy called Martin Cooper, but he was more of the He's a good guy, good at his job, but more of the old school, sort of pitch-based, you know, to come for the runs, took him in the gym. And I think they were looking to sort of modernise this sort of approach to being a full-time team and having this monitoring sort of perspective put in. So even though it was very juvenile, they wanted to bring that that element in. So I was sort of brought in to do, like back then we didn't have a GPS 10 seasons ago. Um, so we were heart rate monitors, we were weight skin folds, and all your testing was done through pen and paper, uh, your bleak tests sort of, you know, how far, how fast. Um, it was all done that way. And then that was basically it. We just kick-started it from there um, and then sort of evolved it over the seasons, uh, got promoted in the conference. Oh, don't get me wrong, I was fortunate with the team that we had, but we got uh, promoted that season, uh, did really well the next season. Um, and then the season after that, uh, the gaffer, Mickey Mellon, goes to Shrewsbury. I went with them to Shrewsbury, had another good season there. Um, worked with a great set of lads and was keeping it, you know, within a sports medicine department. Uh, Chris Skitt, fantastic physio, very good physio, good guy as well. Um, but we had another good department there that we sort of, they just come back from a relegation, uh, looking to sort of bounce back. Did it our first season, finished second, had another good season, another good season after that. Mickey gets the Tranmere job and that's when I followed him over to Tranmere. So over them sort of 10 years, we've had, uh, yeah, Fleetwood, Shrewsbury and Tranmere. Uh, picked up a look fortunate and I would say fortunate uh, to pick up uh, you know some good promotions along the way but we've had good departments and we've had good players and good staff so you know as, as much as I'm here to talk about the influence of a sports medicine department I've been very lucky to be uh, work with some fantastic people yeah that's it's equally if not more important isn't it to, to have the right people around you and we're going to get into that a little bit with with the manager as well because um, obviously you've been to different clubs like you've mentioned so we'll, we'll touch on that in a, in a little bit. But one thing I wanted to start on, one thing you mentioned there is going back to sort of pre-GPS and uh, heart rate monitors and, and that sort of approach compared to now, what you have available to you now. In yeah. terms of like kit that's available, uh, tech that's available and the progression that you've made from a sports science or the impact that you've made from a sports science perspective, do you feel like they're sort of parallel like in terms of there's more stuff available, we're, we're making more impact with players? Yeah, I, I, definitely. And I, I think I was, uh, I, was you know, I was speaking to Andy Johnson. Um, you know, AJ, he's just gone over to work with Catapult. Yeah. We had a right good natter about, you're the same age as me, Ben, so is AJ. We're of that, at my opinion, of that golden era of your sort of practitioners who have come through when it was coming out, the technology, and we were learning how to use it. And we also were predated to the technology as well. So we've kind of seen it before, got used to it and we've implemented it whereas the modern practitioner is probably just used to that and we can use our brains a little bit so say we have practitioners who go and work lower league or start high as an intern in the premier league or the championship and then get their own job as like a head of sports science in the conference in league two and we're for me because uh, we're used to the other side of it we could drop down and get used to it and just sort of say right well you're only limited to your sort of imagination Whereas if you go from top down and you haven't been used to it, I can find that sort of being very scary and difficult for like a modern practitioner. I think it's it's definitely helped because we saw what you're the same as me. You saw what life was like before. So all of a sudden when we were doing monitoring, 
probably back in the days of you know questionnaires on a pen and paper and logging it on an Excel sheet. We we now have modern technology to do an app on our phone, whether it's you, you're using your own imagination with Google Sheets or you're using like an AMS system with Catapult or you know your Edge 10 or whichever your modern technology you want to use. So we're fortunate to see that evolve and how much help it is. But at the same time, you don't forget your roots. So you don't you don't really take it for granted, in my opinion. It has helped exponentially. It's helped, but I think really you're only limited to your imagination. You know, you, if if you if you haven't got it, um, when I was younger, you just found a way of making it happen. That's that golden era of sort of when it wasn't there, but you knew what you wanted to do as a practitioner. You knew you had that gold standard that you wanted to deliver. And that sort of ties in where I wanted to start uh, the podcast with is that the difference and the importance between knowledge and application. And yeah. um, we all know, don't we? Loads of practitioners that have the knowledge, they could sit down, they could talk you through whatever it was to the, the nth degree. But then being in front of players, presenting it to coaches is a whole different story, isn't it? And, and actually applying it. So what's yeah. your experience on that? And I suppose also on that, what, what advice would you give to maybe younger practitioners that are, that are starting out maybe in the situation you've just touched on? Um, the, the, the best thing I had, I had a mate, Rob Williams, who was... Um... He's at the academy now at Salford. Um, great lad, brilliant practitioner, very good at his job, clever. Um, but he sort of did it. I remember I had a good conversation with him. So before he went, he actually originally went as the head of strength and conditioning at Salford when they were in the conference. Oh, no, excuse me, they were conference north. And he saw the two promotions north to conference to League Two through the playoffs. He was actually interning with Man City. And he was used to that. Uh, he's only a couple of years younger than me. And I remember he gave me a phone call. He said, oh, I'm heading over to Salford and conference north. And there was no GPS. There was very little monitoring tools. But he was fortunate that he had the backing, of, obviously, of a good chairman who wanted to bring this in and implement it. So he did have that. But he was like, mate, whoa, what's, I've got no department. I've got a physio that I'm going to start working with. So it was interesting to hear his sort of conversation of, right, I'm coming in for testing. This stuff isn't here yet. What do we do? And that's when you, you have that conversation of, right, well, what can you do? What do you know? Have you got Have you got a time? Have you got a stopwatch? Right. So basic things we can do is we can time things, can't we? We can start going from there. And then as the technology comes through the front door, you can then pick up speed and then start building your own database because obviously there was nothing predated for any kind of testing, no catalog of you know your training methodology or what you've been doing or historical data, non non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as long as you you can realize that you can't, you just need to start from somewhere. Don't stand there and say, right, well, we need to get, if you go in somewhere quite low and you go, right, we've got to get the GPS in now. Uh, have to do it right now. Just start from anywhere. And then as you review it in two or three years time, no one's going to turn around and critique it if you haven't had the resources. So not, you know, it's, it's, if it wasn't there before, no one's going to have a go at you because you got to start from somewhere, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 Fleetwood now have an unbelievable academy. They have a fantastic medical department. Yule's doing a great job over there. Um, if you if you look at what it is now at the training ground to where it was three years ago when we were training part-time and filed rugby club, the, the polar, maybe a bit more than that, wasn't it? It was probably about, well, 10 years. The polar opposites. But you mm. wouldn't go back and critique that then in 10 years' time. No. You wouldn't turn around and go, why aren't you doing this? Because it just wasn't there. The funding wasn't there at the time. So just start. Just start. Get it going. Build your catalogue of historical data. And once it's there, you can then start collecting the data and collating it. And you can then start saying, right, well, here, here we are now. Where do we need to move to? And where do we go from? Because, you know, that old old saying, Rome wasn't built in the day. You've got to start from somewhere. And then as you start getting some of the data, for me, when you start presenting it a little bit more, um, you kind of start showing the importance of it. 
so at Shrewsbury, we didn't have GPS when we first went in. Um, Skitty was wanting to do more of the load monitoring day to day. Um, the heart rate monitors were okay, but again, they were dating you know, them old Santo dated ones. You know what I mean? And we, we can all tell you now, really, what variables are we looking at during day to day training? Um, but it was there. It was a monitoring tool as such. But Skitty really wanted to bring it in, in a, as, not as soon as possible, find a way of doing it. But then you've got to remember, for a club who've never paid, I mean, we don't, we don't have to talk about it on here, but the club who've never paid <clears throat> that money for GPS before, when you get your quotes, it's like, wow, that yeah. is a lot of money. But if you can start showing, well, this is the data we've had from weights, skinfold, timed runs, how long this takes. And if you start showing some data and the gravity of what it's doing, if you say sprinkling a bit of, load management, which might prevent these sort of injuries. We'll look at acute and chronic. And that's when you start creating a buy-in from a chairman to say, right, it might be modern technology. It might be one of them faddy things that every player wants to be seen wearing a GPS vest. But trust us when we say this can have an importance on how we train, how we look after players, load management. And that's when you go from literally having very little to, right, what else can we do? It's explaining that importance to whoever is funding it, whether it's, you know, it's through an academy, whether it's through a chairman. If you don't explain it and just say, I want this because this is all I'm used to having, you're going to fall on deaf ears. Whereas if you start from scratch, finding your own imagination of how you want to collect the data, that's when you can start showing, right, this, this is how it's going to improve things. It's super cliche, but these are all tools from the toolbox, aren't they? And it's not yeah. to say that when we talk, spoke about people starting in an environment where they are in a, an internship at Man City that whose facilities are like second to none, or you're going into part-time football where you've got absolutely nothing. Yeah. For me, you need exposure to all of it, don't you? Because then that, that builds the toolbox. That is your that's where your creativity comes. I think the issue yeah. is when you're at one or the other, whether you yeah. stick at that level where you have everything. Or you stick at that yeah. level where you don't look at progressing. It that's that that's when for me that's when it becomes an issue. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, it's it's a fine it's a fine margin, isn't it? Because you you've got to strip it back. What there's seventy two league teams. So this if you want to be a head of sports science, there's seventy two people in the country with your job. Yeah. And you think of what was the average twenty four to thirty graduates per university per sports science. Then you've got strength and conditioning. Then you've got your masters and you've got your postgraduate. You're in a pool of thousands, if not mm. more. So if you've got thousands and you're one of 72, there's a lot of competition, but there's not a lot of exposure to your job. So odds are you're not going to just walk into a top 20 Premier League team and get that head of medical job or that head of sports science where you have everything. You're going to have to start getting your you know, stripes low down. You're going to have to start with Conference North, Conference South, maybe even lower than that. Um, and then you'll learn your trade that way and then work your way up from that exposure, right? I've not had it, but how can we bring in a gold standard? How can we bring in what we want to do as a department? Because we haven't got Nord boards at Tranmere. We just haven't got them. But I know that if we had the, the availability to bring them in, you probably use them. But we'll just look at other ways around it. So we've got a handheld dynamometer that our physio will use. You would, yeah, as reliable as it is, we're going to be splitting airs, airs bit of Ben. We can start pulling up journals and start arguing with each other. But that's our way of going. We haven't got it. Find a way. Now, other clubs who have players on loan here would love to say, well, can we not just get that regular data from Nordboard? And I just, well, we don't, we don't have, it doesn't mean that I'm, I don't believe in them. I absolutely believe in them. Just me as a practitioner, I haven't got the tool to do it. So we're going to find another way of making it happen. Mm -hmm. And that's, re that's really where, for me, if you want to become good as a practitioner and have that, you've got to be a little bit different, but that is when you show your worth by saying, I'll just find a way of getting it done. 
leave it with me and we'll find that way rather than just standing there and going, I can't do it. Oh, well, um, yeah. we've got, yeah. a, we've got a part, we've got a part-time nutritionist. I'd love to have him full-time, but if you look at pretty much everything outside of the championship, um, not a lot have a full-time nutritionist, not a lot have um, that sort of tool. So we work with John Moores. We get a few interns in, um, great interns. Um, and because obviously they're under, under that elite umbrella of sports science from John Moores, working with Graham Close. And you get Aaron, who, was a, who did do the, his master's with John Moores, and he comes and works with us, comes in once a month. Um, and we found the way to do it because we saw the importance of it. I knew how important that was, but we couldn't get the funding for a full-time nutritionist. You just, it's just not in the budget. Um, as you very rarely, Ben, you've been there. How often do you come across, oh, this is our nutritionist when you're working outside of the champion? You just be like, wow, that's brilliant. Mm. But where the hell have they got the money for you from? <laughs> so, because it's a full-time job, isn't it, Joe? Yeah. So we, we just found a way of making it happen. Uh, and our way was, well, we'll just bring him in once a month, which is great for him. It's great for us. He keeps that working relationship because he was an intern with us. And he's excellent at his job and it creates that culture of well what, what can we do do we do we have a dexa scanner no but we'll do our skin folds once a month you know yes i'd love to have a dexa scanner i'd love to have one in the back garden so that we can use it you know once every two weeks and be stringent with our body fat percentages and our bone mass density can i afford that piece of kit kind of bollocks it's not gonna happen <laughs> do you know what i mean it's not gonna happen it's a player you know we, we don't need sort of numbers on, on in front of everyone but it's a player. You know, if I said to the gaffer, can I get this Dexter scanner or that other player you want? The gaffer will go, can you go? No chance. We're getting the player in. Mm. So that's, these are these continuous battles that you need to be prepared for outside of sort of your championship, maybe within the championship, but just finding a way of getting that job done. Just find a way of doing it and do it really well. Because if, if you're trying your hardest and you're doing it as well as you can, you see this, I'll probably keep saying this word, you see this culture emerge from the players who don't walk around going, oh, I used to be in the Prem and we had this, or, you know, when I was at the Champ, we used to have this. I'm fortunate that we have an excellent training ground at Tranmere, not just saying it. Uh, we've got a chairman who backs the department, really does, um, enormously. And we've got a manager who believes in the sports medicine department because he's cut of that Sam Allardyce generation that he had it when he was playing and had success. So he really, really backs into it. So we're lucky that we've got from top to bottom this sort of alignment of the importance of it which you then get players who come in, even though at the level that we are, which touch wood, we're not going to be here for long, but they come in and go, right, well, they're actually trying the hardest to deliver this service. They're trying the hardest to deliver best practice. So within the nutritionist that comes in once a month, we have the interns who come in once a week and they work under his umbrella. So within the, the staff of the SNC department, we've got two on the master's course from John Moores. And then we've got another one who's doing his PhD at a different university who's doing uh, performance psychology. So you start pulling these people in and without racking up your, your numbers from a medical department um, in terms of like how much it costs to operate. You start thinking outside the box of keep saying it, how do we get the job done? And then the players start really buying into it. Okay. Well, we don't have a isokinetic machine, but we're going to go with a handheld dynamic and they're going, well, you know what? They're trying the hardest. They're getting numbers. They're relaying the data to us. They're showing the importance of it. Yeah. Let's crack on really rather than these players, you know, you've, you've been there before play goes out on loan and going, what am I doing here? I've got a watt bike in the shower and that's it. You know, and <laughs> that's, that's how it goes because they're used to that at the top. So if you create that sort of culture of the importance of it, they'll, they'll, they'll buy in. They buy in and they understand it. Yeah, definitely. Listen, if anyone from Dexascan or, or Nordboard's listening, <laughs> that's Andy Hodgen at Tramia Rovers. You can just send it straight, send it straight send to the training ground. 
and he'll, and he'll sort it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm your man. I'll tell you what, to be fair, um, we've got a good working relationship with a few who, like Catapult, so obviously yeah. Josh Lee. Uh, I, went, I was over there probably about two months ago, I did a little talk from um, topically talking about the importance of what they deliver and how it affects sort of a lower league team. Because I think some of them get used to seeing the bells and whistles of top end, um, you know, and, and I was sort of saying, look, from a lower league point of view, uh, this is probably your bread and butter for a monitoring tool and the importance of it. And I sort of explained, you know, this is how we do it. This is what we look at. Um, these are the sort of things, the way that we present it, so we contextualise it. Uh, and it was a good chat because I think sometimes you get caught in the bells and whistles of your Premier League big shots who do their stuff and then they kind of, the importance doesn't really get drummed home where I'm like, look, you, you, you are my monitoring tool. You are the ones who help me in my sort of day-to-day sort of evaluation of too much, too little, ready, not ready. Testing, COVID taught us to use your imagination massively. First time ever, practitioners were like, holy shit, anyone got a textbook for this? Anyone got a journal for this? You had pre-season, four groups of three, had to be outdoors, no gym. All of a sudden now, that's everything we've gone against. Prehab, no prehab. So you're getting marquees from B&Q to set up prehab and a cold, wet, pitch to hopefully get <laughs> all the eccentric load that you can get into him <laughs> while you're trying to add, like you, we had that one where you're not allowed to hold a player's ankle which I get because actually you know you boost safeguard on the player so I'm like how the fuck I'm sorry how are we going to get them to do the Nordics so we were trying to put 200 kilograms either side so that they could use a bar to get them you know and you're thinking right we've got to use our imagination here we've got to start like stripping it back and go right what have we learned what have we learned over our education what have we learned over the years of experience that we've had so testing, because we didn't, couldn't do anything in the gym, I told them this. So catapult became probably the biggest tool that we had in the locker. It was it gives us a number, and we can do it outside, and we can keep them separate. Mm. So all of a sudden, we said, right, we can't do jump mat testing. We can't do watt bike testing. So that's strength and power out the window. That's our anaerobic out the window. What can we do? What Literally, what can we do? So we went, right, well, we can do aerobics. We can do our four, four minutes. Um, we can do timed 1Ks. We can do sort of our 320 meters. So we can then start going into a little bit of an anaerobic. We can then start doing our speed testing when we get to it. So all of a sudden we just start going, there's not really a journal that says use catapult to measure this, was there? But we just start going, right, what kind of in-house testing can we do? And how can we use it to sort of monitor performance? Because there's nothing out there saying this is the testing that you use when you can't go within 15 minutes or under two meters for more than a set period of time. It was like, right, imagination time. Using our clinical application, using our evidence-based skill set, how can we start monitoring them? And that's when, to be fair, as much as I blow smoke up their ass, I said, Catapult, you come in and help us. They didn't, didn't parachute through the door, don't get me wrong, but from a monitoring tool, it was, right, put your head down and start having to think about what we're doing here. Um, and from that, using things like when we were during lockdown, when we were, couldn't really send in data per se, we started looking at monitoring in the off-season. So that's changed the way that I now from Strava. Simple tool. I know higher up there'll be better monitoring tools, but all of a sudden using our imagination. We said, well, we can't give them a GPS unit because we can't get the data back. Um, we can't trust them to, you know, look after that unit for the next six weeks. To the, you know, what if they forget to bring it back? What if they get released? How do we get the data over? So we went to Strava. So whilst it was not really the best for any sort of top speed or speed endurance or anything like that, it was good for aerobic capacity. We can get distance. Now, you're going to argue and you wouldn't turn around and publish the data from it because it's not going to be valid at all, but we looked at how we can monitor sort of distance and load in relative quotations. So using our imagination, it's changed how we do look at things now. 
So if a player isn't training with us because uh, we're on the road uh, and we can't get them to go into the training ground, we'll use Strava. We'll just say, look, you know, go out. This is the other runs that you're going to do. And we'll load your data up and then we'll use it that way. Um, the testing, we've maintained some of the testing from COVID. Um, we thought that there was good validity uh, from what we got in some of our pitch-based testing and some of the numbers. And we use it now as a return to play. So that's that evolution of, Right, well, there wasn't a journal on it, but we found it worked. Uh, the clinical base of, you know, what, what metrics we want to look at are there, but we used what we thought would be important data and KPIs, and we still use it now. You know, we use it in our meso, and we will use it in our sort of before the end of season testing and when we come back. Um, so that's that sort of, you know, constant evolution of what you do, but also don't be scared to use your imagination. Pull out that textbook, pull out the journals, and, you know, get thinking as a department, but... Don't be worried what other teams are doing. You know, mm. they do this, they do this, they do this. Do what's right for you. Because at that time, COVID shut everyone down. Everyone just turned around and went, I don't, I don't know what to do. So the good practitioners bolted down the hatches and said, right, we think this is right. Because no one, no one can turn around and critique what they did. No one can. Changed everything because no one had been there before. So no one can turn around and said, well, you should have been doing this in the gym. I don't know. We've never been here before. You know, I didn't have a gym. I didn't know how to do these things. So we were fortunate when we were slowly coming back in last season we had a big enough surface area, ground to height, um, width and contact time in the gym that we could do gym. But uh, understanding that there's a lot of clubs definitely outside of the championship, we didn't have a gym the size of ours. So they would have lost a lot of their S&C stuff. So in terms of, you know, in injury prevention and performance enhancement, we would have had the edge. Now that, you know, that's that was tough. It was really tough. But out of it would have been a tough one to be watching people from other clubs who didn't have that area, how did they adapt? Um, you know, I've had you know a few conversations about what they did, but you know, it, it was tough. It was really tough. But that was when, as practitioners, we've all sort of talked over the time and how did you use your imagination? How did you cope? How did you adapt? And that sort of, if you if you swam through that struggling time, really you should be taking away that. Well, maybe I can go and adapt with going higher up if I get a job in the prem, or I can go the other way down and adapt when I am confident enough. Um, how do I adapt? How do I take all my skill set and go right? This is this is what I've got in front of me. Let's get cracking. Let's go. Yeah, people need to listen to that and ask that question you said before about what can I do, because that could relate to you picking up some early work in a part-time role or a lower league club where the situation isn't ideal. But there's like you've just mentioned loads of examples there of when situations weren't ideal, but you don't go in with that negative mindset of this is all the stuff I can't do. You ask yourself, what can we do? And there's always something you can. And I think that's the lesson to take away from that, isn't that? That regardless of where you're at, it might not be COVID or a lockdown or something. It might just be in season away on an away trip that takes ages and you turn up and you don't have great facilities or whatever it is. There's always something you can do, isn't there? And and as a practitioner, again, it's reverting back to that toolbox being adaptable, and that's where you have the big impact then, isn't it? Huge. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's if, if you're that figurehead, you've got to be that. It's tough, isn't it? You, you, everyone expects you to turn up and have that you know, slap-on smile. Right, lads, let's get ready to go. You're Mr. Motivator. And behind the scenes, you're going, I had 10 on my piece of paper last night. I now have two. I had this set of massive area. I can't use a ma- massive area now because I've only got two. But these things change. They happen. Do you know what I mean? And you can... Uh, an example that I can think of off the top of my head is we wanted to do shape um, after a Saturday game, getting ready for the Tuesday. We all know shape is 11 v 11, big area, full-size pitch. So your metrics are going to be quite high. 
definitely for whatever, depending on the formation. But everyone outside, sort of your centre backs and your goalkeeper, you're going to have that ex- match day exposure because you do an eleven v eleven now. Gaffer's brilliant because he'll go right. Let's let's monitor. We'll work in smaller bursts, or you know, we'll blow the whistle if it starts going. You know, bit bit of a basketball game. But as a practitioner, you're going. Wow, we've just come out Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Really should be like sort of a MD minus one hybrid, MD plus two recovery, and we're going into eleven v eleven. Now you can stand there and throw ten journals at the manager and go, they ain't doing shade today because the load's going to be through the roof. Or you can have a manager go, we didn't lose on Saturday because they weren't fit enough. We lost on Saturday because they weren't in the shape. And then you're at checkmate. Manager's not going to back down because he's the manager. That's his job. So what do you do as a practitioner? You adapt. You go, right, well, we're going to probably be, I don't know, 1,500 metres over at least, maybe a little bit more. So how can I chuck that back? So we'll do a mobility circle and we won't really do any kind of straight line up and down in the warm-up. So we'll do a mobility circle. We'll get them fresh and going in there. What can we do in the gym? Can we do any kind of like large hurdle work in the gym rather than doing it pitch? But can we chalk it back and be adaptable? That's it. You just use your brain and go, right, Gaff, I bought you back two and a half K per player on average. Uh, keep your eye on the centre-backs um, and then we'll do it like this and the gaff will yep, sweet. And then that's you having that understanding of, and the manager giving you that understanding of, and he's not going to be that guy going to the door going, oh, you can't do that because mm-hmm. we've all been in and around them people. Um, and it's right, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's wrong, but the good ones, we'll keep saying it, find a way, or find a way of, right, do we need, is he of an age that he really can't do this? Can we get him to go out with his trainers on stand there, understand what we're doing in set pieces and can we get someone from the academy just to walk through his position? Or do we get another player to swap over and then he kind of just jockeys alongside him and if there's a big burst of got a sprint or something like that, he doesn't do it. He just kind of tigs on next to him and runs up in there. That's when you've got to be adaptable. That's when you've got to listen to the player because they may turn around and go, no, you know what, I'm fine, let's go. Listen to the management, which is really important that they do it. Or you as a practitioner get that importance across to the, the management one this is what we really need to do, but can we do it this way? People who just don't want to adapt and sort of stand there digging their heels in, uh, throwing, you know, any kind of Tim Gabbett stuff at them, going acute and chronic now, we're going to blow that out of the water and, you know, that's your fault to get injured. I hate that. I hate that. Because, yeah, well, I, you're probably right. Is it going to solve the problem? No, because it just creates a hostile environment where behind the scenes, everyone's bitching and moaning. So find a way, get everyone on this, this sort of, and I've used this, this alignment where everyone's of the understanding, what's their ultimate goal? To get through to Tuesday, get the shape right, win, and then Thursday's a better place, isn't it? I wanted to dig into your relationship with the manager because there's obviously something there that there's a trust, there's a there's solid relationship, and I was going to sort of question yeah. you on it. I feel like you've yeah. kind of answered it with some of the examples you've already given. Um, yeah. So I'll twist it a little bit in that when... When practitioners have opportunities to go to clubs, I don't think it's spoke about enough that we talk about creating opportunities and going for interviews and all that sort of stuff. But when we don't, what we don't talk about is spotting clubs that align with your approach or your values and actually thinking 100%. about that. We just take a, take a job because it's either based in the right place or whatever. So what's yeah. your experiences with that? Because you've obviously, there's obviously that, that trust and the relationship with the manager, but before that, taking those mm-hmm. initial jobs. what did, Was that something that came into your mind or is it a case of you learning that through your career? Uh, Learned through the career. So my, my first one, Fleetwood, was purely geographical. Uh, I'm near, just outside of Blackpool. So that was nothing short of just the geographics of it was an easy commute. Uh, training ground was probably 10 minutes from mine. Um, and obviously when you first start out interning, the, 
the pay is pretty crap. So, you know, your travel expenses weren't there. Um, you know, you could do some part-time work on the side as you're sort of in there and getting your feet under the door. Um, and then from that, I sort of, I was fortunate that we, and I say fortunate because yes, I'm extremely fortunate that we had a good team. So I was lucky that we were winning games, which then creates a buy-in for whatever you're delivering or measuring because when you're winning, it must be good. So I was lucky that there were extraordinarily good players with Jamie Vardy's, Andy Mangans, Nathan Ponds, Jamie Milligan, Scott Davis, Steve McNulty. You could rattle through a whole team and go, oh, Jesus, it was a very good team. But on top of that, you had great management. So you had your Mickey Mellon, you had uh, Craig Madden, you had Steve McCauley, you had uh, Ian Liversledge, a physio who's you know been around the game for 10, 15, 20 years and the rest. So I was fortunate, me as a baby, was in this department to sort of see, right, well, what does the gaffer want? Because we're winning and he has a clear approach of what he wants. Rather than me coming in here saying, this is what I think we should be doing, because I was fresh out of the rapper. These are all guys who have played the career, like a career, not just like they played a few seasons, a career. So obviously their understanding of the game is going to be exponentially different to mine. So you started to realise, you know, this is the what they wanted, basically, and the importance of how they wanted it delivering. And then... Going to Shrewsbury was the the evolution of it then because I went and worked with Chris Skitt and I said it before, he's, he's a top draw physio. Very, 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 very good. Um, but I went in to mirror with the department that he had his alignment, his vision of what he wanted to do in. Um, but then the gaffer was bringing his sort of methodology of how he wanted things doing as well. So you get that sort of, by then this is sort of, you know, you sort of, fifth year working with the management and he start he still comes in with how he wants things doing uh, I'd like this and it, it's why we're doing that not too much but it starts disappearing a little bit and you notice it to disappear not because he's not bothered because he's going well I'm paying you to do the job um, and that's yeah, that sort trust, of trust isn't there well you, you, I say this to young practitioners and young interns who come in and, and I say you see a manager go and then usually a stumbling block before any manager goes to a different club is his backroom staff because managers want to manage. Managers don't want to come in and be the kit man. They don't have time to be the rehabber. They don't have, I mean, these enormous beasts of jobs like your Tottenham, which is a beast. You're managing that. That's a beast. It's not a job. It's a culture and an environment. They haven't got time to start saying, right, well, how do I do this physio job? How do I do this sports science job? How do I do this? They need the people to come in and go, I've got this beast on the pitch with all the media attention. I need to get that right. You guys go and do that. I need you to crack on with it very quickly. And that that's what I tell the young ones. That's why you see changes within departments because they go, right, I've got a short space of time. It's January. I've got 10, 10 games to basically cement my career here at this club. Go be great for me. And I've over a period of time been fortunate to understand that I know what the management wants. Um, I know exactly how he wants it delivered. I know exactly what he wants behind the scenes. I know how he wants... We use this word culture. Um, he calls it a microculture. So we have the culture of the club, which is sort of institutionalised by the fans. Fans create a culture. Um, and then behind the scenes, you have your sort of culture of what we want to deliver, how we want to deliver it. And then within it, you have other departments, sort of like your microcultures. So what's the microculture of the physio department? What's your microculture of the gym? What's your micro? You know, they're all very small cultures because the areas of where lads congregate, lads congregate in the gym. Uh, when you go in there and do your prehab, you're still, you're still there. You're there as a group. Uh, what's your culture within a changing room? You know, we as practitioners, you never go in the changing room. Unless you're chasing a player, 
that's their area. That's a little safe haven. Uh, they, you know, the players and players, they'll have a little bitch, they'll have a little gossip, they'll talk about whatever they're not happy about. But if you start keep dipping in there, you start affecting their culture. You start, you know, that's their safe haven. Um, it's like when you're at school, you want to have that little time away from the teacher. The teacher kept pop, like, popping his head in. You're like, I can't really talk, feel relaxed or talk about what I want to talk about. And then you see these cultures move and you, you emerge and you have them throughout a football club. So you have a culture within your kitchen. You know, for me, that's huge. It's massive because we've got a chef, Leroy, who's just taking a bit of time off to go to Jamaica. And his name's Lee, uh, Leroy Brown. He's a great chef, but he has a culture in that kitchen that's so important because you can have lads who are playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and then they have a free week, but your free week you're getting battered outside. You can work in on the gym because we believe in the hard work and that's what we've created. So we never shy away from that. They want to go and eat food. Not only do they want to eat food, they want to have nice food and they look forward to it and everyone does it. Everyone just goes, I've had a shit day at work. Well, I've been working my bollocks off. You want to go home and have nice food. Now, if you don't have that culture, if you have someone who's straight faced, not saying hi, not saying afternoon, and you've got boiled chicken, we've got the macro content exactly where it needs to be because the nutrition interns are saying this is what we need to deliver. And this, so you've got these sweet potatoes, not even fries, just sweet potatoes with boiled chicken and a neutral sauce, just like that. Players are going, I'm, oh, I'm such in a shit mood. So now I've got to inherit this culture into the gym and they're just staring at me going, I've had shit food, I'm in the mood. So Leroy's very good at playing his type of music that he wants to play. You can sometimes play some Jamaican music or just play something a bit more chilled out. Um, and then he creates this culture where lads walk in. They're so happy to see him. They look forward to having the food. They scoff it down. And it's a culture mm-hmm. and it's a reset. And it's and people are probably going, really? You're going to talk about the importance of that? Huge, mm-hmm. massive, top to bottom, enormous. And you have a culture within your kit room because these are the first guys people see in the morning. Walk in, are you all right? They get the kit, they walk down to the changing room. If you don't have a kit manager saying, morning, oh, I'm looking at the weekend, or morning, great result, how are you? If they just get some guy who's the kit isn't dry yet and the breakfast is shit, you're walking in, you're in a mood about your kit, you're in a mood because the kit man's not really giving a stuff about you. You walk upstairs, the breakfast crap, it's cold, and a chef is having a go at you about the weekend's result. Before I even start prehab, we're 2 0 down. And if, my, and if my culture's not right, because I carry this stonking mood because we play crap at the weekend. You're 3-0 down. And then you have a manager who doesn't see these players because they don't. And an assistant coach who doesn't see these players. They walk out on the pitch for a day's work and they're going, what's going on here? The bag of shit. Mm. Well, we're 3-0 down. Not even roll the ball. So understanding what the manager wants, whatever the whatever the culture is, hard work or a, a, a great environment where people just enjoy themselves or if it's all young players that we're trying to get full of confidence or if it's senior pros that were, whatever it is, Understand what the manager wants to deliver, first and foremost. How does he want that cult? How does he want this culture set up? How does he want things operating? And once you understand it, your alignment just accelerates. It makes everything so much easier. And then, then you can start going around going, are the physio's doing this the way that we want things doing in the rehab? And are the rehab getting done the way things were uh, doing in the gym? Is the pitch-based conditioning getting done? And all of it streamlines. And this this understanding of whatever is is happening it allows a manager to go, I'm just going to, my job is just to manage. He doesn't have to worry about what's going on in the gym there or what's going on with the food or that's, that for me is when you can really earn your coin. If we're going to use an analogy, you can really, uh, I'm not saying it's down to you as a practitioner to go and chase the chef, but if the food's crap, you, you bear some burden, don't you? You've been there, Ben. Do you know what I mean? If, if you're on an overnight stay and they go, well, hang on a minute, the beans haven't come out and the poached eggs are rock hard. They go, to the head of performance of the head fitness coach and you're like I didn't poach 
approach the eggs, did I? So that's it. But yeah, but it's true. But you, these are the sometimes you, if you go right next time we send an email to the booking sheet and just go look, we had a bit of problem with the poached eggs. Can we just give a heads up to the next time they come out? Make sure them just that little bit more tentative on how the poached eggs are looking and don't be late with the beans because it seems so petty and stupid, but it's something sorted then. You, you, you're creating a culture of, oh, the food's great. You never have any problems with the food. And that's all you're doing. You're just sort of putting out fires so you can focus more on what you want to focus on. Things are a lot easier then. You know, you've, you've got lads happy so you don't have to chase them to wear GPS. You know, if one or two are forgot. But if we've got this culture where we work hard and, you know, we look after each other and we have a good changing room, if a lad forgets to wear his GPS, someone else picks it up for him. They go, yeah, mate, come on, five are fine, but don't forget your GPS because you're creating that culture. You're creating a an environment, whatever it is that you want it to, to be and, and sound and look like, you're creating that. And then it almost becomes, you're just in an alignment with the manager. And it that's, for me, if you get that right, why managers will look after you, if that makes yeah. sense, but will want to bring you around with them. Will say, look, these are good practitioners. These are good people that I need around me because I can just hit the ground running and focus on whatever it is I need to focus on. And that's top to bottom. That's not just... Your medical staff, that's your recruitment staff, that's your analysis staff, um, because they're of that understanding. They know what analysis, they'll understand what metrics the, the gaffer wants to look at. They won't even say, well, what do you want to see about this? Or we're playing Swindon at the weekend. What do you want to see about that? They'll just know. They'll just go, right, here's what they do. Here's how they look at it. Here's whatever it is that they look at. There's our battle plan. Here's what we've done in the last three games. Here's what we need to change. Manager comes in, he's not changing it. It's all in alignment. It's all just that firm understanding of, right, this is where we need to be. Um Pre-season, I know exactly what he wants. I know he wants a fit team. He wants some running hard. He wants some working hard. Um, but more importantly, he wants some come to start of the season to be ready to rock and roll. So there's, I just know exactly where he, where he needs to be. So it's great for me because he pays thorough, thorough attention to what we do. But I don't have a management who say, do this and do this and do this. He'll step in um, if, if something's not right, which is great for me keeps him on my toes um, because it keeps that relationship good because I understand, right, he's, he's really paying attention and I have to work hard. But there's also an understanding of, and I know exactly what he wants to deliver, both on the pitch and off the pitch. So it's really important if you're a practitioner, get to, if you're working with a manager, because you can't be fortunate enough to spend the time that I've had with a manager. But if, you, if you're starting off, really understand what, what the manager wants to deliver. You know, don't knock on the door and go, what do you want to do? Just, pay attention, maybe look at the career, maybe look at the way they are, the style of play, because they won't mm. really deviate from the way that they play. They might be used to a certain formation or they might be used to an age around them. Or I don't know, but get to know the manager because if you understand what they want to deliver, there's no point in you disagreeing with what the manager wants to do unless you think it, you know, obviously clinically compromises you because then you have to obviously do your due diligence and stand firm. But the manager's there to be the manager. So support him. Don't, don't stand there and say, I'm going to influence the game by being the best fitness coach ever. By Just stand there and go, what do you need me to do? And I'm going to be really good at doing that. And I'm going to support you. And I'm going to make sure. How do you like GPS? We've had it. Like I've had spates with different management and they go, I want to look at this. There's no point in me standing there going, what? Why do you want to look at that for? No point. All right, Sam, I'll change it. Move that and we'll get rid of that and we'll put that in. Is that fine? Yeah, that's great. Brilliant. Don't butt heads with the guy because he's a manager for a reason. So, explain why the GPS is presented that way, explain why you think it should be done that way, but then say, well, why do you want to look at that? And then you might just give you something. You might go, well, when I worked at so-and-so, this worked really well. Cool, no problem. Let's, uh, let's get that going so you don't have to worry about it anymore. Don't stand there and argue. You know, that's, that's, they're, they're the manager. They're there to make the, the big calls. Support them. 
top to bottom and then do it from right the way down. Because if you start supporting them, I found that, you know, with assistant managers and first team coaches, support them, understand them to understand why you're delivering what you're delivering. And then you create that, a lot, I keep saying it, it's alignment from top to bottom. Because um, you've been there before, Ben, when a new coach comes in or a new assistant manager comes in and they don't really understand what you're doing. And sometimes if they're of the old guard, they kind of stand there and go, this is voodoo, what are you doing here? You know, well, I don't like foam rolling. What the hell's for? I didn't have foam rollers. And then, all right, stop, take a minute. Yep, brilliant. This is why we do it. This is why we see the importance of it. Uh, these are the journals of my fascia release. Yeah, it's, you know, it was some argument and some conflicting, but this is why we do what we do. And then they may turn around and go, do you know what? All right, fair enough. You're not just tickling, you know, the backsides. And all right, I get that. But support them. Do you know what I mean? If they're, if they're angry that you're doing that because they want more time to do an analysis presentation, find a way of doing it be adaptable and support them. And then they just go, right, well, this guy's here to help because that's our ultimate job, isn't it? We just want to make them fitter, more robust and help them win games. Just very quickly, if you weren't able to make it to our Everton networking event, all three presentations from that event are now able, the live and able for you to watch on the community. So Dave Flower presented on perceptions of under-23s football. Lewis Charnock uh, presented on making, breaking and remaking a multidisciplinary team. And James Malone presented on the use of cooling therapies for post-exercise recovery. So go and check those out. If you're not already a member, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community and sign up there and it'll give you a month free so you can watch those presentations and check out some of the other content. If you stay a member after the free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward and you'll get access to future presentations, including our Oxford United networking event and presentations from Harry Routledge and Chris Neville and loads of great practitioners coming over the next few months as well. So if you're a member, log in and check it out. If you're not, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community, sign up there and get yourself a free month. Here's part two of the podcast with Andy Hodgen. People need to listen to this because it's tiny with what we spoke about at the start in terms of the difference between uh, knowledge and application. And this, the, the examples you give there have been absolutely perfect because going back to the stuff on the um, microcultures that you, you talked about at the club, each individual thing probably seems really small, doesn't it? But as soon as they compound, you've got issues and it's, it's getting bigger and bigger, that issue. Whereas if it's a positive, like you said, every interaction has been positive, even before you see the player, then yep. suddenly it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? And then, and then you can add Huge, to that. Yeah. And then they go into the manager and the manager's like, wow, rather than being yeah. like, wow, on the, on the other foot, like what is going on? So no, it's, yeah. I think they're, they're such key areas that you've covered there. And there's some really, really fascinating um, insights as well into, into how you guys go about things and the relationship between you, you and the gaffer as well. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, it's, very commonly overlooked. Uh, I'm fortunate because obviously this is something that the gap has instilled in me um, through many years. I'm, I'm, and I just keep saying lucky. I'm very lucky. I work with a very good manager um, and he implements these things. He goes around his business looking at certain things and the way he does it. But he's, uh, he, he's great with, with sort of creating environments. Um, and it's I, I, whether it's we've been fortunate by winning games, we've had time to create the environment or whether we've created an environment and that's allowed us to win games because... I've been three touchwood, three different clubs, and we've had promotions all the way throughout. Um, and touchwood, stand down the barrel of another successful season with them. So it, it's really important that this is stuff that you are not taught. No one will ever, ever go through 
a module on how do you interact with players and keep their attitude happy when they've lost two games on the spin. Won't mm-hmm. get covered. We'll talk about loading, monitoring load. We've got all the data on that. We look at method testing. We look at periodization, even though with, if you were to ask me, does periodization exist within football? It's slowly disappearing because we don't have a periodized cycle now. We only get fucking two weeks off now. If that, which will probably be less with the off-season if the World Cup come in and we go to the playoffs and finish in a playoff final, I think it works out that we'll only end up getting something like 10 days off, something stupid like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, cause it, and, you, and you start going, is that periodized? Well, no, because it's all the way through the year. Yeah. <laughs> periodization is every competition cycles and it's just going nuts. Anyway, I'm going off on one. But it's creating that sort of understanding of these are things that you won't get taught but the gravitas of why you're doing it and how it should be implemented is, 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 is enormous. It's, I can't stress how important it is. I cannot stress to my nutritionist interns how important it is you get a rapport with the players who no one likes being told they're overweight in any aspect. Do you know what I mean? You're in the pub with your mates and someone goes, all right, looking a bit chunky. You go, all right, nice one. Now you're telling, in the politest possible way, a professional athlete, your body fat's over. Not on top of that, your body fat's over and you haven't been playing. Then on top of that, not only is your body fat over and you haven't been playing, you look a bit podgy. So you've got two angles now. You now have a manager who says, just I need them to work harder to burn the calories off and you're not going to eat the food that you like eating as well. So they don't tell them. By the way, you know when you tell this athlete that, they're going to want to punch you in the face. Mm. So I try and go, find an angle. Find that This is where Aaron, who works for us, comes top trumps because he is so good at building a rapport. He will just text, how you getting on? How's your weekend been? What you been up to? good night out, whatever, and we'll build a rapport because it creates, it, well, it breaks down a barrier because the thing that you're going to hit them with is, oh, by the way, don't eat as much. That's the nuts and bolts of it. Don't eat as much because you're looking a, a little bit overweight and it's affecting performance. So how do you strip this back? Because it's not taught. No one, no one teaches you how to, how to deliver that. And for me, there's a wrong way of doing it, but there's certainly no right way of doing it. So do you want to be the friend? Do you want to be the boss? Do you want to be the agony aunt? Do you want to be the guy that you can come in and have a moment with? whatever gets the job done, but Aaron is great at doing it because he has an angle, a way that's uniquely his that he wasn't taught and he learned over time. So these are that, that skill set, that important skill set that unfortunately practitioners have to spend time in the industry to learn and implement it. And it's one of them. I I couldn't give you the answer of, are you better off spending longer interning? Are you better off working lower level where the pressures aren't demanding? Are you better off, standing behind someone higher end and watching them for a longer period of time. That's probably another, another podcast that we could argue about, but you have a short space of time to make that impact. But unfortunately your tenure, if it's not done right, is cut quite short. So I don't, you see a lot of people who want to try and jump into a first team job very early in their careers. And you're like, "Mm, well, you don't understand how a manager wants to operate. You still haven't had that rapport with players on paper, academically, yeah, you probably pissed the interview process, but it's a bit of a gamble because you haven't got your skill set yet. You haven't, Ben. How long have you, you know, it took you ages to get to where you were in your job and you learned a skill set that allowed you to work with some top players and build a rapport with these top players. And it's it's hard because you want everyone to have the skill set, but it does take a bit of time. But the bit, if I could give some advice to anyone, I'd just say, you know, you, you're going to have to find your own way of doing it and just be ready for the stuff that you don't get taught. You do not get taught this stuff. You know, we understand that they should be having this protein shake after a game. How many times have we had a player that goes, I, I can't drink after a game? You're like, oh, dude, right, okay. I just can't. And all of a sudden you're going, right, I don't want to eat either. 
It's like, well, when are you going to eat? I don't know, probably two hours later. Right, well, what's open at 12.30 on a Tuesday night? <laughs> I know exactly where you're going, mate. So then all of a sudden, you're not taught this. So yeah. how do we build a rapport? How do we educate them? You know, and it's, it's, that, it's that battle. And I think if people could understand the importance of these things that you get right, you get these little details right within a nutrition, within an SNC, within a sports science, within a kit man. Kit man should not be your, your job, but sometimes they overlap. So you get things right with a kit man, you get things right with the kitchen, you get things right with the cleaners. It sounds stupid, but if the cleaners come off the board, that can affect your job. So if the toilets aren't going to sound cruder, the cleaners come in two hours later and they start cleaning at half 10 because they've just had a bit of a lazy morning. The toilets aren't clean. So if lads come in in the morning and they've got dirty toilets, they're coming in the morning going, oh, shit, staying in my toilet now. You know, these, it sounds, and we're laughing about it, but these are details that yeah. if you don't nip in the board and they're not a practitioner's job, and please don't have this as the headline on the podcast, the importance <laughs> of cleaning toilets. This is but the clip. These are, this is the clip. <laughs> no, but these are the things that are top to bottom. If I guarantee you, right, if you went into a club that's unsuccessful, whatever you want to deem as unsuccessful, there will be punctures in a whole department in little areas. And whilst they might be shit out at gps presentation and they might be shit out at load monitoring i guarantee you'll find a big puncture wound somewhere else let me um, let me shout out another podcast for this one because this is perfect for this example i don't know if you listen to high performance they had toto wolf on who right. went into mercedes and mm-hmm. the first thing that he picked up when going into mercedes was coffee cups from a few days pre- previous like dirty coffee yep. cups and he yeah. said it wasn't about the coffee cups. It was about what that re- represented for the rest of the company. And that's exactly what they you're will. talking about. It's a coffee cup. Like, no one should really yeah. give a shit. But they do because what else does that represent? Correct. So you're talking one of the, the top-end high-performance practitioners of Toto. You know, he's top-end. For him to notice coffee cups, that must show where his brain works because that's, that's a quick fix. That You don't even need to go to any institution or get any bit of funding to say who's in charge of cleaning that come on let's just nip that in the bud one of the big things for me one of my massive things is the gym is tidy when it's left tidy when you come in that's your that's one of my big rules um started doing it at fleetwood just tidy up have it like organized because for me that's that's your work that's your shop floor and if you've got a gym that looks like a bit of a shit tip it represents a few things so and it's it's, this is part of our culture. If you look at our prehab when we finish, if you were to look on the CCTV, you see every, I mean, I'm talking lads who have played Champions League. I've got lads in the group who have won an FA Cup. I've got lads who have played Prem. I've got top draw, high-end professionals. If we finish prehab, they're all putting stuff away. Now, it's taken a bit of time to create that culture. And some of them as well have already had that institutionalized in them. Some of them more senior pros because they were probably YTs back in the day where, you know, they would give you a kick in, whereas now that's sort of, do you know what I mean? That's probably a little bit different, but mm. they were that firm, stiff upbringing where they had jobs when they finished. And if you look at it now on CCTV, top to bottom, they put stuff away. If you're near a mat and it wasn't theirs, they put it away. They love finding lads if they don't put in their stuff. So like say some dumbbells are left and they go migrate somewhere else. They love finding them. And it helps me because I think a find system is really important because it creates this culture of it's funny, it's funny to get disciplined, but you don't want to get disciplined at the same time. Whereas if it's just you're getting told off or you're getting a disciplinary, it's it's a, it's a for me it's a it's a fine line when you start taking money off people for doing things wrong. I think that's a fine line because then you get people lying about it. So you get people who are like, well, we'll fine you as a club if you are your body fat's under. I think there's a time and a place for that, 
But if you're sorry, if your body fat's over or your piss test is over, and we'll find you. As soon as you start, you start getting financial implications, it, you, your response is different. Um, it's more of a negative enforcement rather than a positive enforcement. So if you're the night before and you know you're getting skin folds the next day, go on, I'm getting skin folds the next day, even though we know it's wrong and it wouldn't affect your actual skin folds, but they might go, I'm not going to eat. Awesome. So I've got a lad who's completely carb depleted. When I need him carb plenished because he's going to be playing Tuesday, we're doing skin folds on the Monday. So rather than finding them, just stress the importance of, look, mate, Skin folds are creeping up a little bit. Let's just nip that in the bud uh, before we start having to get you outside and start doing faster cardio and stuff like that. So creating that environment where a gym is looked after represents, for me, a lot, an awful lot. And the one of the big things that we have going for us is it's enforced and I can just spin a plate. Uh, come on, lads, pre-hab done, uh, on the grass for half 10 and everyone gets up and they're all putting their shit away. And it sends a good message sends a good message to the management because they can walk in and it's not a shit tip um it's a small message does it mean we're going to go and romp and stomp you know whoever we're playing at the weekend no but it shows that they're taking pride in the work and the devil is in the detail um because you know if if you don't show the devil in the detail uh like you said all right so we go to the the coffee cups um something small does if it's a coffee cup We've got players who don't clean protein shakers uh they keep leaving out um because of covid it's helped us a little bit because we use water bottles that are disposable just for hygiene purposes but we, everything's initial numbered we know who's having what also allows us to monitor fluid um, fluid loss how much their input and output is but if they just start leaving water bottles around and then they don't put their stuff away well, we've cut two corners now that's you know two simple little things that we've caught we then do our morning presentation on a Friday um, and then they're thinking about something else we're cutting three corners but that third corner is who their man is on the set plate you then get to corner number five when we're going through the set pieces and it's like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Cut a corner because you can't be asked doing it today. Saturday, ball comes in and I'll go, I'll get him the next time. You don't get him the next time. Bang, he taps it in. Your corner cut, you're now one nil down. That's yeah. And then all of a sudden you're going, yeah, but the, what, what does the effect of the water bottles have to do with that? Well, you're nipping a guy who's cutting corners and you've stopped it and the, it can go as far as prehab. I'll do... We've got Nordics today, so I'm going to do, I don't know, I'll just do one set of three, can't be asked. All right, well, you've fallen short on your Nordics. All of a sudden, we've now got a bit of a nip in the hamstring, whereas if we'd done our full load and the full amount, we might not have that nip. You're constantly saying, don't cut a corner, dude. But that comes back to another thing as a practitioner where you explain it. Don't be, you know, battle-axe about it. Just say, I'm here to kill time. The reason why the gym session is 45 minutes, you know, because I need 45 minutes of your time. Stop, strip it back. This is what we've done in pre-season testing. These are the monitoring tools that we've done. We think that you doing these exercises are going to stop you getting injured. Don't give me one, two, skip a few. I know you're tired. I know it's tough, but trust me, listen to me. Get the amount done here because we're doing it to stop you getting injured. That's why I don't cut a corner. Because you cut a corner, mate, it'll cost you big time. And then you create that culture. Yeah, all right, fair enough. You're not being a twat about it. You're not turning around going, hang on a minute, you've only given me 15 minutes here. Relevant, time's an arbitrary number. We need it done right. Don't cut the corners. That's been, I'd need to catch up with what the Toto was saying because that sounds quite interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's so important. And when you start tapping into these high-performance environments, regardless of what it is, whether it is another club or whether it's something like that, you realise that these cultures are developed from these small, somewhat small tasks that are carried out, but carried out consistently, don't you? So I think it's really important. Um, yeah. Andy, we'll move it on because I want to get into the quick fire in a second. But before we do that, I'm just going to ask you just to maybe summarise uh, what we've talked about a little bit. Can you give us your top three tips 
for practitioners? We can sort of cover anything on this. Go top three. Yeah. Um, I think I think you first and foremost, if we're going to go back to what we're saying about these cultures, um, create a buy-in. Numero uno. Most important, create a buy-in. Create a buy-in, top to bottom. The people above you, the people below you, and the people all the way around you. A chairman needs to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you're doing it. And then once they understand that, they will buy into what you want and want them to deliver. Um, because we all know, and I, keep, I said it before, Rome isn't built in a day. You do not get, if you're talking about it from uh, sports science, S&C, you don't get players fitter in a day. It takes, depending on what you want to have done, minimum four to six weeks before you start seeing any kind of sort of adaptation, maybe a little bit less, sometimes a little bit longer, depending on we can split airs about if they're injured or not injured or where they're at. But it takes time. So to buy time, create a buy-in. Get them, everyone to understand what you're doing. If you have a player, present your GPS. Don't just let them wear GPS. And the amount of times that you hear at other clubs, they never see the data. Why? Why? If, if you're collecting this data, let them know. Let them know what their top speeds are. Let them know what their XLD cells are. Tell them what a good day is. Tell them what a bad day is. Tell them why, why we're looking at it. Why we see the importance of it. How does it affect what we do with you in training? This is why we look at this on a match day. Sometimes you get lads, and we've all been there. I don't like wearing GPS on a match day. I'm like, dude, that is your gold standard data. That is the most important number I've got on you for the week because it tells me what you do on a game, what you do throughout the week and how it affects you on a game, and what we need to do coming into Monday for the next week. It affects everything. So tell them when they go, I don't really like wearing it. I get it. I really get it. But you wear it every day in training, and it's going to give me the most important tangible data that I can get for you in your position. Please, can you wear it? Because it will stop me getting you injured, and I'll make you better. I'll try my hardest to make you better. Create a buying. Get them to go, all right, fair enough. When you're in the gym, how how many times do we get lads who go, I don't like the gym? And you get this, it's creeping in a little bit from the foreign coaches who sometimes say, we don't like the gym. Uh, who, was, who was the Chelsea coach? Hey, Chelsea yeah. manager. I was just thinking that. Sorry, wasn't it? That's it. And he went, my players don't do the gym. I thought, oh, shit. God, no. <laughs> because now all of a sudden you get lads going, Chelsea don't do the gym. <laughs> yeah. So, you get these sort of well, the foreign influence, but if it's if it's in the gym, don't go screaming and shouting and saying, "Well, I don't care what he does." Just stress why you think it's important. I think that you becoming stronger will make you more efficient in your running, which means you don't have to try as hard, which means you won't fatigue as quickly, which means you won't overwork a muscle, which means you're less likely to get injured. These are the little bells that the players here right well i'm not getting injured which means i'm going to play more which makes me more available which means i can have a longer career i can get more money you know whatever the buy-in is mm. or an older player who comes in and you go right i can't really make you bigger um but i might be able to maybe work a little bit on your top speed whereas if we improve you that's one thing that we do if i can improve your top speed make you just that little bit faster if your top speed is 10 meters per second and you're going up against a player who is 7.5 meters per second him running at his top speed means you only have to run 75 percent Let's just give it a shitty arbitrary number. And then you create a buy-in. And the player goes, all right, maybe I can see the importance of maybe just running a little bit faster. Create buy-ins. Just get everyone to go, yeah, all right, I get it. I like it. So that's number number one. Number two. Numero uno. Uh, listen. Listen to the athlete. Listen to him. Listen to your management. Um, you get some noise. Some of it is noise. You might get a player. We've all been there in pre-season. You get the senior pro going, hey, lads, lads are tired, you know. Oh, okay. All right, okay. Lads are a bit, a bit achier. But you might get someone who's played more football than you've been alive <laughs> and saying, I don't like doing that. Now, I'll get a, a good example. One person I listen to a lot, and I'm fortunate to work with the guys, Peter Clark. Um, he makes my department look amazing because 
he is regularly available. Uh, he's a model pro. He buys into what we're doing. But most importantly, we listen to the guy because the guy's been doing stuff that has gotten to the year 40, still playing regular football. And by the way, playing league football. Not one of them who's going to be playing, you know, like Conference South or anything. He's playing league football and mm. winning things, by the way. We've got one of the best defensive records. We listen to him. We listen to him from a physio side. We listen to him from a coaching side. We listen to him from a sports science side. We listen to the guy because he's obviously done something right that who am I to question what he's doing or he, I say what he's doing. He's not one of them who's coming in drinking Red Bull and having kebabs. But if he's doing something that is a little bit different in his uppers, if he's doing something a little bit different in his lowers, listen to him. Go And, you know, too many times people want to go to war. You will do this. You will do this. You will do. Well, you might just hear something. If you listen, you might hear something through the noise that might make you either a better practitioner or change your opinion on something. And I mean it from a psychological point. We all do wellness. Do you know what I mean? We all, we all do it. But sometimes stuff isn't put in there that isn't in your wellness. So listen, listen. You know, you might you just might get something. And, and the management staff, like I said about the shape, I'm, I'll tell you what, one of my, my biggest things working with my manager is he listens. He's an unbelievable listener. And he's got a great book out there. Um, I can't, if I can recommend it, uh, 100, First 100 Days, which is a, by Mickey Ellen. And he's gone around different practitioners. So he's gone to different managers, but then he's gone to different industries and looked at their first 100 days and how they've done it. And a big thing that he does is he, he listens. He genuinely listens to other people. He listens to the players. He listens to the staff. Um, and he's a good book out there is uh, from Malcolm Gladwell called Talking with Strangers. Good audio book. If any of you were going to talk about improving CPD or making yourself just that little bit better, he put me onto that. And it's a fantastic book, basically, of not judging a book by its cover is the long and short of it. And sometimes you hear something and we have a bias and us as practitioners are like, hang on a minute, 21-year-old youth team lad who's coming with the first team, who the fuck are you telling me that I should be changing my pre-op? Because we are. We're going, I've not learned all the experience that I've done all the education that I've had to all the journals that I've read for you to come in and tell stop listen he might be telling you something else he might just be having a shit day so he wants to pick a fight so stop and listen because there might be noise that you need to kind of go hang on a minute what's what's the problem here what's going on so listen listen all around you listen don't just put your guard up and say this is how we're doing it and number three <sighs> get everyone to understand why you're doing it I say create this buy-in but let, let everyone understand really really put the nuts and bolts explain explain constantly explain why you're doing it and do it in a funny way do you know what I mean do it do it whatever way that you can get your point across because I think sometimes um, we we want to have that preservation of our career we want to look good we want to show our importance because it's scary in the world of certainly football where there is high numbers of staff turnover management can last if you if you're with a manager for a long period of time. Sorry, if a manager's like, I don't know, 18 months at a football club, that's long now. And when you're thinking in the world of how many mates do we have out there that you go have a social with or uh, go for go to the pub with? And if you said, you know, the average tenure of a manager is around 18 months, they're in jobs for 15, 20 years working with the same people. So it's daunting and scary. So we have this natural attitude to sort of maybe not necessarily explain, but show your importance of I'm doing this and this is going to work, but just sometimes strip it back and explain why you're doing it. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's self-preservation. It doesn't mean that you're showing everyone how important it is that you're doing it. Just explain. This is why we're testing. We're going to test. We're going to look at this. This is what we want to look at. Um, I think it's really important. 
this will monitor this. Uh, just constantly explain because too many times you'll get players coming from another club or I don't know, they just, they kind of go through the process of whatever you're testing and you're kind of like, hang on, you haven't asked me one question here. Do you not want to know why we're doing what we're doing? Because you don't really explain. As a practitioner, we just get so obsessed with speaking to our department, speak to the physios, the head of the departments, head of medicals, that we don't really explain to anyone else. And they become this, these like automated robots who are just sort of these, these athletes who just don't really understand what they're doing. So const, for me, constantly explain why we're doing it. And then they might just see the importance of why they're doing it. Um, getting the ice bath, that, that's always a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> what, what, just because it's just jumping in cold water. Explain, explain, say, just let you know, by the way, you have covered about 56K over the last 10 days. So maybe get some anti-inflammation uh, and stuff in there. Let's maybe get rid of some of that, you know, soreness, stiffness. And you did your workshop the other day. You had, uh, what was his name? Talking about yeah, the, the James importance. James Malone. Oh, come on. Brilliant. Top draw. So, mm. but he's explained it to practitioners. So I would I would suggest anyone who hasn't seen it, go back and have a look because the slides are on the... On, on yeah, your, they're on the community, uh, yeah. So, brilliant. Go and have a look and then go and explain it to lads because lads all they hear is stand in that freezing cold water for as long as you can also go and explain it maybe just explain why we're doing it don't baffle them with the voodoo behind it you know i mean don't we don't really need to start whipping out journals just sort of tell them uh, we're lucky because we have done that and we make stupid little pdfs and infographics of spongebob and a little bath doing one of them but we'll explain it um a little like so aaron so basically everyone within our department will uh, throughout pre-season We'll try and give them like 10, 15 minutes contact time. No more. Don't need them for an hour of explaining what we're doing. So I'll have a little quick explanation of pre-season. I'll say here's roughly, I know people don't want to tell you the runs that they're doing. I couldn't give a shit. You're going to do it anyways. So I'll say, all right, here's your pre-season layout. Here's roughly what we're going to test. Here's roughly what we're going to do. This is what I'm looking at. This is why I'm doing it. Aaron, nutritionist, hired. This is what I do. This is why I do it. Roughly, this is the skin folds that I'm going to be looking for. Bang, bang, bang. Physios, bang, here's what we're doing. Here's a rough look at this. Here's the prehab that we're going to be giving you. Here's what we measure. Quickly, just 10, 15 minutes, explain top to bottom why you're doing it. Because I keep going on about this buying, but it allows lads to kind of go, right, well, I understand why you're doing it now. How many times do lads go, why am I running? Just shut up and get on with it. We've all been in front of them conversations. Uh, why am I doing that? And he's got to do that. Come on, mate, please do us a favor. Just get on with it. Stop, tell him. I'll tell you why you're doing it. Because you didn't play a Saturday, so we've got to up your load. If your load isn't the same as the other lads and you get whipped into a game, you're going to start falling in trouble. Yeah, perfect, mate. I think that was a really nice way to um, wrap that stuff up because that, that was awesome. I think it's some top advice in there. Um, we are getting pretty on with time. I didn't realise how, how fast this has gone. We were over an hour already. So we will make this pretty quick. I always say quick fire yeah. doesn't need to be quick. But let's try and make this as quick as we can. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we're not getting to Joe Rogan length uh, podcast. But first one... Um, is I always ask people who have been some of the biggest influences on your career so far. So, Paul, can you give me top three? Top three. Um, I'll, right, I'll probably go because he, you'll probably see this and he'll text me and give me a bit of shit. I'll probably put one of them as Chris Kitt. I think he was, uh, I moved away from Fleetwood to Shrewsbury and that was a move geographically. Um, and he was the exact same age as me. So he became someone who I had nights out with, which was important. Um, but he also was a fantastic practitioner. I mean, top draw. Um, and he was very modern in his approach to performance monitoring. Uh, Skitty has a sports science background, basically, and then obviously crossed over into physiotherapy. 
So obviously there'll be some out there that'll disagree, but most often than not, the physios protect, don't they? The physio, oh, we've done a bit too much today, and oh, I'm not too sure about that sort of you know load there. Where Skitty was the other way around because he was the performance enhancer, so he was like smash them, get them going, work hard, and it and we had that alignment by accident. So if you were to watch it from like a fly on the wall, you'd go right, these two are going to hit it off. So it allowed me to sort of adapt and make myself better, and he did make me better. So I, I one uh, one Chris Skit. Uh, to Steve McCauley, who is uh, Blackpool Academy, uh, head of medical. Um, when I was a baby intern at Fleetwood, he was there as like first team coach slash physio. Um, but he was obviously been captain at crew, played there for, I don't know, I'm going to guess off the top of my head. I want to say he was there for like eight, nine seasons. Old school, centre half, hard as nails, took no shit, but showed me the importance of, you know, I'd said about there's a difference between what you know and how you apply it. He held my hand and he was very quick to sort of say like, whoa, 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 what are you doing here, mate? Um, I was like, oh yeah, well, we need to do this extra time and warm up. We need to do it. He's like, okay, oh, chill, come on. Um, yeah. And he was a very good physio, but showed me the ropes very quickly and created that understanding of, you've got to buy in from the lads. And my last one, probably my biggest one is Gaffer, Ricky Mellon. He's, um, he's been outstanding with my career. Um, I'll probably get a few texts when people see this. He's, he's a good guy to me, uh, both on and off the pitch. Um, but he's been an influence in terms of uh, he's, he's always shown me um, how to make myself better he gets me into audio books um, so I like, feel like uh, talking with strangers told me to get to uh, to listen to uh, team, uh, team Arrivals so the Abraham Lincoln one that was unbelievable Of it's going to sound stupid but it's American history but it was like long and short of it how Abraham Lincoln came into presidency with a load of guys who didn't like each other and it was an interesting story he got me into that the audiobook um, and he introduces me to different practitioners he opens a few doors for me um, so as an influence the way that he operates and runs a football team um, you can't say it's not successful because the guy's got a lot of wins under his belt um, his development of players uh, his attitude to living on and off the pitch his lifestyle and the importance of being a family guy the importance of being a good all-round person um, and just being a, a respectful guy in and around the environment um, I'd say he's been a huge influence both for me personally and both professionally Perfect and next one what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? <laughs> oh, put me on the spot here um, <laughs> I'd, prob- I'd probably say um, the lads, the, I say the lads, because you, you're going to go off what your, your peers say. I'm relentlessly optimistic. I like I'd it. Probably say, I'd probably say to the point where I'd piss you off. So if I go and play, <laughs> I would, if I go, if I go and play golf, if I go play golf with my mates, so I've got a mate Kyle, if I go and play golf with him, he pisses himself because he'll hit one, he'll fudge it in the floor, he'll go, 10 yards but I go yeah but it's forward mate do you know what I mean you're not, you're not lost. I said you hit it forward he goes oh shut up I just shanked it shut up so I'm relentlessly optimistic so that's that for me in an industry that's full of stress it's full of peer pressure it's full of there's a lot of negativity so you always get that bad press around football because they do get bad press um, I'd probably say my biggest strength is I'm, I'm relentlessly and brutally in your face optimistic oh, um, I'll come in and I'll come in in the morning and I will make sure everyone's saying hi. Uh, lads will tell you a story. If someone walks past me in the corridor who's not within the football club and I don't say good morning, I'll, I'll, I'm going to rugby tackle you in a minute if you don't say good morning to me. No, because it's the importance of it. Hi, yeah. morning. You okay? 
that guy's walking past or woman's walking past in a shitty mood, she's going to carry on to the next person, onto the next person, onto the next person, nip it. Morning, everything all right? You okay? Round the whole building. Um, be relentlessly optimistic. And if you're not, creeps like a wildfire. You've been there. You know, how, how, how shit is it on a night out when all your mates are in a bad mood? You just need one guy to go in there and go, come on, lift it. We'll be all right. That's me. I'll, I'll always be like that. Brilliant. Final one, mate. What's your approach? Because being in, in a um, season where you're Saturday, Tuesday, you got games coming out of your ears, it'll be interesting to hear this. What's your approach to CPD, especially like now in season, yeah. continually developing, improving? Like, is it podcasts? Is it, you've just mentioned audio books, books? Like, what are yeah. some of your approaches to, to getting better? Um, it's like on a personal level, audio books, uh, particularly if you're one of them who has a bit of a commute to work. Uh, I did the the drive with the manager to Tramme. He's now moved up around the training to around the corner from the training ground. So I do that drive on my own now. Um, so when we were going to Shrewsbury, we did listen to audio books again. I'm, I'm going to sound like it was my idea, but the gaffer got me into that. So we listened to quite a few. Um, even before, um, you know, the last dance before that came out, we listened to Phil Jackson's uh, Sacred Hoops, Sacred Rings. Mm. Um, and we listened to that. And then when obviously when uh, Last Dance came out, we were quite excited about that because we listened to his audio book. Um, and another good book for if you're talking about CPD of how do you manage the best? He had the best and then he had to win again and win again and win again. And it was fascinating how, well, you've seen it in the last dance, but audio books um, are, are really good. Podcasts, you deliver some great content on your podcast. I mean, if you're driving home for 45 minutes, you've got two days worth of stuff to listen to me rabbit on about now, but listen to, <laughs> no, but listen to your, listen to your podcast because you might pick up someone that you might want to network with. Yeah. Your content, your content's excellent because it's on a platform um, that allows people to, through social media, follow and listen. Um, I mean, we spoke to our mate Nathan, who put me in touch with you, but he uh, he's he's really good at explaining that to me, um, and it's it's a great way of continually improving yourself. Um, and that's that's from a self point of view. Really, that shouldn't. You've got time to listen to an audiobook, haven't you? You've got time to to read something journals are first and foremost you really should be getting keeping on top of recent literature um if you're at a club get an intern in that's part of my you know my my tool is look come in i'll give you experience on the shop floor do me a favor bring me a shitload of journals if you can um anything that you think is relevant or not relevant anything that's new and that's old just bring it in um and that's another way of, of continuing cpd and then on top of that um we've got maddie uh, our physio who uh, is pretty good at just getting random people uh, within the department just do a quick spiel so we've kind of set up this thing where you do a quick talk for about half an hour 45 minutes uh, the last one we did was with, with John Stokes uh, who's our rehabber but he's also a qualified uh, shropodist uh, so he delivered a quick CPD on feet am I ever going to touch someone's foot with a scapula <laughs> probably probably not however he delivered a know. few things that well, he delivered a few few red flags that I, a player might come up and go, do you know what? I'm getting a bit of a, a, a pain right there between my uh, big toe and, you know, it's just a little bit sore. I'll go, in my head now, I'll go, ooh, corn. Come on, I know what that is because I did that CPD. Am I going to whip it out? Am I going to do anything with it? No. But I've got the red flag from a quick CPD that would go, I don't know what that is. Just go home and maybe change your socks. I've got that sort of tool to then say, nah, you need to change that. You need to go over there and speak to this guy. So even if you do something in-house, anyone's at a club or a department, we've got at least two or three members of staff. I'd like to think your bare minimum is fitness coach and physio. Do it between you. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just just do, do a journal club and just go, right, between me and you, I'll do one one month, you do one another month. Or if you've got an intern, if you've got two or three interns, well, that's four of you now. Right, well, you do one month, you just bring in a journal that you want to do, you talk about it, and then we'll have the journals around us, highlight the bits that you like, and have a quick talk. CPD, bang, done. Perfect. And it can Perfect. and it can be done. It can be done, you know, yeah. on these little micro doses. It can be done. Quick half hour, 45 minutes. You know, what's that out of your day? Once a month, come on. Or well, once every, a week everyone has that time though as well. Like you said, majority of people are going to commute, even if it's a 10-minute journey. If you do 10 minutes yeah. there and back every day, you've done a 20-minute, you've done half a podcast. So, yeah, there's yeah. there's always time, isn't there? Um, you can create time. So, But great advice as well on people that are in an environment where they're not surrounded by a lot of staff. You only need one other person, um, and that is going to be – you're generally going to have that. And if you don't, you need to try and grow the network a little bit, don't you, to try and create that as well. So, um, yeah. Andy, this has been top class, mate. I think we've got through some really, really good stuff. I appreciate you coming on. Just finally, I know you're not necessarily a, a big one on social media, are you? No, no, I'm not massively. Um, well, if, people wanna, if people want to reach out, though, where would you direct If you want to reach out – Probably get me on Instagram. Um, okay. You can you can you can hit me up on that. Um, yeah, that that probably be best your safest one. Uh, I, uh, again, we're speaking about a mutual mate, Nathan. Um, he's 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 going to maybe try and help me get some more content out there, get a bit more information out there uh, to reach out so people can get in touch. But if you want to get in touch, hit me up on Instagram, or um, you can find me on the the Trammy website. I think my contact details are on there. I'm transparent. I said I said this when I did my talk with Catapult. Um, I'll happily talk about anything because. All I can deliver is what works for us at Tranmere. There's no point in me going, oh, Leeds, go and do that. So I'm going to go nick that. It doesn't work like that because if I had Leeds or, I don't know, they're volume-based, aren't they? So they recruit and have lads who run very far. I don't have that. So there's no mm. point in me. I'm not going to, you know, be stern. And I hold some stuff back, but there's no point in being guarded as a practitioner, certainly at our level, because what works for me, I speak to Tom at Forest Green. It doesn't work with Tom at Forest Green because his recruitment and his, his team shape is different and, do you know what I mean? We're not going to give each other a complete darkest secrets, but what's the point in being standoffish? Because what works for Forest Green doesn't work for us. What works for Leeds doesn't work for us. Be your own person. I love that one, don't you? Uh, Man United do this. Fucking hell. So what Man United do then? <laughs> they've got they got Pogba and you know, they got all those guys. It doesn't mean it's, I can bring that in here and go, right, we're doing this testing today. Lads are going, you are. It doesn't work. What works for them is completely different. So I'm happy to talk, shop, and help out any way I can. Perfect, mate. Well, really appreciate your time. So thanks a lot for coming on. No, anytime. Thank you for having me, Ben. It's been brilliant. Top man. This was a really enjoyable episode and chat with Andy, and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to keep this last bit quite short and just repeat the three takeaways or tips that he gave to practitioners. So create buying top to bottom throughout the club. Listen, which is really important, which we all need to learn to do better and let everyone understand the why behind what you're doing. Great advice from Andy. Go and check him out on social media at Andy underscore Hodgen, H-O-D-G-E-N. And a big thank you, as always, to everybody that's listened to the podcast. Please give this one a share, and we'll be back again next week in episode 178.